If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm your host, Kim Hakem. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. If you are a regular listener and viewer um, on LinkedIn Live, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of And Security for All. We had a fun week at FutureCon this week. We had our annual St. Louis Cybersecurity Conference. This is our hometown, so we're our home bases, so that's always exciting for us. It was a very awesome event. We had some of the top local leaders in cyber join us for the event. It's also, you know, like I said, it's always fun doing um, this event in our home base because we only get to do it once a year. By now, you all know that I am the CEO of FutureCon Events, and we put on cybersecurity conferences throughout North America. We have been so busy lately, um, just traveling all over. We're heading out to Indianapolis um, next week. St. Louis was really great. We had some of the top companies represented um, by our speakers. We had Peabody Energy. We had their um, vice president, uh, CISO, do our keynote speaker. We had Stiefel Financial Group. We had... um, CISO over from the University of Sciences and Pharmacy of St. Louis, QuickBase, uh, Hill and Brand, all kinds of local leaders, um, again, um, networking in person. So check out our website so you can see where we're going next. Next week, we're going to Indianapolis. We're going to have a bunch of other local cyber um, leaders that are from Indy. Our keynote speaker, he is Juan Zolkowski. He's the CTO, CIO from the Lake County of Indiana. We have um, a whole bunch of other CISOs there. So today I have another guest on the show that we're going to talk about um, how to figure out cybersecurity solutions without having to really do like 5,000 demos. Does local events and national events, many of us just came back from RSA, do these events really help? Are they, you know, what do you get out of those events? Is it better staying virtual? All of our events throughout North America, we run them in a hybrid mode. So, you know, we have about half of our attendees that are staying virtual. And are they missing out on connections, new friends, colleagues? Or is it better for them? Can they get more work done? You know, we, we, it's very challenging to decide if we want to get rid of the hybrid part of our events, but we get so many great attendees over there, we hate to do that. When you attend these events live, are you actually getting the most out of your day? How do you maximize the resources, the education that our events like ours are providing? If you are on the vendor side, how do you do the same thing without feeling like you're bothering and annoying attendees? Today, I have Tim Savage. He's from Typing DNA, and he actually became a customer because of this very show. Now, he is attending our events as a vendor, and he's actually out of 30 vendors that we just had in St. Louis on Wednesday. He got a shout out from a CISO on our panel because I asked the question, how do vendors and sponsors get in front of you? And um, just by him just being friendly and nice, 
he probably is going to gain a new customer uh, for the future. So for my CISOs who are out there listening, we totally understand that you guys get bombarded with emails, phone calls, and what have you. How do you determine who you will talk to? Today's gonna be just a fun show. Let's talk about networking in the industry, how we can all come together, and what's right, what's wrong, what works good and what works bad. And Again, um, for all of you out there, please interact. We'd love to have your feedback on this topic. So welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, how we doing? So glad to be here. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm on with a celebrity being able to talk. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) So, Tim, I forgot. Where are you based out of? I am based in uh, uh, central Kentucky. So to my right is a is the rolling hills of Kentucky. So. I uh, always got to take a connecting flight to any one of your events, but it's worth it. Well, couldn't you have just driven to St. Louis? How far is Kentucky? About six hours. About six six hours. So, you know, I chose chose to do emails on a flight and let somebody else do the the driving. Yeah, Um, I get that. I get it. It's (laughs) sometimes we, you know, flying is really crazy right now. So we're Mm -hmm. all just keeping our fingers crossed. We can make our destination. But um, t- Tim, tell us first a little bit before we get started, um, typing DNA, you know, I didn't even know about you until you were a listener on the show and you reached out to us. Tell us what, what do you do at typing DNA and what is typing DNA? So I am the senior vice president of sales at typing DNA. So that means that um, building a sales team, um, we're a startup company. We've been around for five years. We're Google backed. And really simply what we do is we're able to authenticate the end user on the endpoint, the, the, the person who's authenticated being on the machine. We do that by how you type, not what you type, so the time it takes to push a key, time it takes to go to the next key, the difficulty in between. Um, and it's an agent on the machine, so it's uh, uh, we don't take any personal information. But at the end of the day, if you got on my exact computer right here that I'm on and you typed on it, Tim, I've said this to you a bunch of times, after about 25 or 50 words, it will just use the logout function and log you out. So we have something that is very new and it reports every 10 seconds up into the SIM with a log file. Um, and uh, so you can know all the people who are authenticated on your endpoint at any time. And mostly it fixes the problem of an eight-year-old doing their homework on somebody's computer and skipping, clicking on that malware or whatnot. So within doing that, it gives us a, a new solution um, to a problem that hasn't really had a solution but is there. So the great part about when we're at the um, FutureCon events is that every time I tell somebody, they'll look at me and they'll say, man, this is super cool and this is super new. We can really use this. Um, so it makes it um, makes it very fun to be at the events, but it's also really exciting because we uh, um, we have something that no one else does. And I lead the sales team here. I've been doing cybersecurity sales um, for a good bit of time and doing sales and top of funnel sales for a very long time. So, um, and one of my favorite things to do is um, to be at a conference and be able to meet people there, which is very cool. Well, and that is how we started talking because you definitely stand out amongst the many vendors that are there. You have a different approach. And um, welcome back to the show, Jonathan Kimmett. He is actually, I'm glad he's listening. I was hoping he was going to come on today. He, um, he is a CISO at the University of Tulsa. So he'll have some good insight on this because once again, he's a CISO that's probably getting inundated with all kinds of emails, LinkedIn messages. So, 
You know, one thing I've been putting on cybersecurity conferences for far too long, like it totally ages me, um, 25 years. And one of the things that is most frustrating to me is when I walk the vendor floor and I see someone, a vendor at their booth, and they're on their computer not looking up all day long. And then we get a complaint from marketing that the event was not a great event. So, oh, yeah. you know, tell me... Um, Let's just talk about it. Like, like, how do you, you know, what do you take when you are um, at these events? What, how do you try to be a little different? How do you get the attention of a CISO? And um, I know you got a unique product, so that definitely helps. But most of them don't want to hear about it until you can break the barrier. So how do you do that? Well, I think the main thing is, is that one, you know, in our organization, in our company, which is really cool, everyone's an SDR. Everybody is out looking for ways we can start conversations. And that's from the CEO down. So if you meet Raul, you probably met Raul on, a, on, a, on an actual conference floor, handing you a card saying, would you like to have a complimentary copy of our product? So it's very cool that it starts from the top down. But it also means that when you're there, um, and especially at like a FutureCon event, it's a really good example. There's going to be a certain amount of people that are there, right? And the goal is to be able to talk to everybody. But the goal is not um, to ram information down everyone's throat. The goal is to talk to everybody. So if you're behind your, your, your booth table, there's this really interesting problem because there's a barrier between you and other humans that you want to talk to. So if you do this, really, this is a tutorial. You walk around the outside of your table and you stand out in front of it in between all the people that you want to talk to. And then you simply, as they come by, look them in the eye and say, hey, how are you doing? I find that sometimes it takes a couple of times saying, hey, how are you doing? But people will make laps. Sometimes they only make one lap. So it means that everybody that comes by is an important opportunity to engage with. And that's why you're there. Your company's invested you to be there. You're there. And if you're getting there and you show up and you can't wait to leave, you know, that's something to think about of how you can realign your, your mind, body, and soul to being in the moment and being present. So when I'm there, when my team is there, my, I'm there with my CEO, I'm there with my CMO, I'm there with anybody else, we're focusing on how we can authentically connect with people. We know we have a great product, but we have to be great people before the great product. And then what we find is that by being great people, it's good humans, and somebody doesn't want to talk, let them roll by. Um, but by doing that, I find that uh, conversations happen, they'll be quick, but sometimes people, like, they, they, they move into your humor or, you know, or whatnot, and you've got to keep going with it, you know? And... Um, so it makes it really fun, but I think you have to just align yourself to want to be able to do that. And then they're like, oh, man, your solution is super cool. And it starts with, you know, I don't want to say the person being super cool, but I do want to say you're giving at least that vibe to being able to be um, to, to having a want to being able to have a conversation, not just giving your pitch. So I kind of tell my team, leave your representative at the door and bring yourself and let that be who's talking and then you won't find yourself saying, well, we got some pamphlets here and we got some Chotsky's. At our booth, we have mints and complimentary copies. And I, and just this last event, Kim, I spoke to literally everybody at the event. I think I missed one person, but waited till the very end and spoke to literally everybody at the event. Well, a couple of, uh, let me just acknowledge some of our uh, people that have joined in. Um, and you guys don't get mad at me if I messed up your name. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm afraid you want to take, you want to try it, Tim? Hey, Gokun Kardav. 
Thank you. And then um, the other one didn't pop up, but it's Prakish Rajapal. So um, thanks, Prakish. I know that you've listened to our shows and um, it's good to see you here. Jonathan has a, um, he, he, Jonathan, you are definitely one of the nicer CISOs because he said, <laughs> when I go to the conference and head to the vendor floor, I'm looking to make uh, conversation connections and build a relationship. I want someone to be a partner in the industry with me. Jonathan's such such a nice guy. He's so outgoing, you know. But not every and and it's not even the CISOs. Some of the hardest time things that I um, have to do is try to get the people out of the meeting room and go over and support our sponsors. They don't want to do that. They want to sit and talk to each other. So um, Jonathan also said, um, I love when tables are minimal. I prefer a good handshake rather than a swag that I would toss out at the end of the conference. And how much money is spent on swag? Yeah, there was a, there was a CISO posted on LinkedIn after RSA and he said, how many booths did you go to that were destroying the environment at RSA? <laughs> and all these went down. And so I, I dared the water. This is a CISO that's, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, he, he wants, he does not want to be sold. So I, as sales in my title, I, I ventured and said, hey, you know, we have mints and a complimentary copy of our, of our, uh, of our tool, hard stop, nothing else. And I, and I find just that we have, we have a good giveaway too. We got a Bose set of Bose headphones, but I find that that too, is you give somebody seriously, people come back for mints all the time. And I've done loads of conferences with like loads of stuff that you name it, t-shirts, everything, a complimentary copy of what you got, something complimentary that makes it easy to give away in a digital, like in a card and just little candies pre-wrapped, don't have them unwrapped. It's amazing how you can get it in and out very quickly. And then the, the, the then the deal is you, it's not what you've got on the table. It's not the t-shirts and you're as a group forced to be able to make sure to have that good handshake. And if you really love what you do, it's going to come through because I'm super excited to talk about what we do. And I'm careful. I don't over talk about it because I can totally talk ad nauseum about it, but I'm super excited. And I want somebody to understand my excitement first for it and understand if they're excited. And if they are, I'll find people will talk with me for a good while, but I'm also checking in each time I'm talking to see if they want to move on their way. And sometimes people will stay and talk for a bit. I've talked with somebody for 45 minutes and I'll take it. But sometimes it's literally, here's a complimentary copy. I'll, I'll, I'll scan you and give you a call. And they're like, thank you. And they move on. So it's really being able to have a good, not a balance, but a really good rhythm. And then at the end of the day, you know, you're going to know these people you meet on this day in whatever conference for, you know, two years, three years, five years, 10 years. And uh, someone you meet today might be in a completely different um, season of life 10 years down the road. And, um, you know, people that I've met at, con at conferences, I've sold in multiple, you know, places, but the tie that binds is that I stayed with them. I stayed connected with them. And at all, man, you get to meet somebody in person now. It is like the most valuable thing in the world because everything has become Zoom and how you get on Zoom and all that. So when you, you make the move and the investment to get on the plane, to get there, to be in front of somebody and, um, and really be engaged when you're there, man, it is, it is so valuable. And, and I love it. And I know the other people in the room that love it too. So um, an event like yours, you know, Kim, we really get to have um, – we get to meet people, especially in cities that are really tough to get into, Omaha, St. Louis, and others, that we get to start those relationships with, and it gives us really a good foothold to come back to, to continue building those long-term personal relationships. Those are my favorite cities, you know, uh, Omaha, Des Moines, you know, because 
you've got some great leaders there and they're, you know, hungry for information to come to their city. So those are always fun. But, you know, going back to you never know who you're talking to. I learned a lesson about that um, pre-COVID. This company, not my last company, a young man um, who was uh, associated with OWASP, but he was still a student. And we were like, nope, we don't allow students. You can come volunteer at our desk. Well, um, you know, he, he was persistent. He got himself in the conference. And now he, um, three years later, is trailing the path to making his way up as a senior. You know, he'll be a CISO before you know it. So you have to be very, you know, be very respectful of, you know, everyone that you're talking to because you don't know where they're going to be yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's exciting when so, so when somebody comes through and like, this is a fun thing about cybersecurity, you don't know who you're going to talk to. So like uh, Rebecca that was walking through at the end of the conference, like I looked at the speakers and I was, I memorized who the speaker's faces were because I'm, I'm a visual, you know, learner. And I was just waiting for them to come through. And she came through, she was in jeans and kind of a shirt. And she just kind of, everyone's at the end of the day, everybody's on their, on their computers. And she just walks by and I'm like, that's Rebecca. And I just sat there and waited. And I'm like, I am ready when she comes back. And she came back and I like kind of shuffled up because I was sitting down. I was like, excuse me, did I give you a complimentary coffee? And she was like, we sat there and talked for five minutes. And, and then she was like, I'm like, cool, have, have a great panel. And then she came back and the stand-up table um, where they, uh, the, the, you know, you sit down and have a she had glass of wine was right next to me. She came over, she's like, I'm not trying to bust you up here, but this is where the table is. So then we talked about nothing else. We talked about cybersecurity at all for, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes. So it was that, um, you know, it was that excitement of being able to be, um, you know, available, you know, in the moment. And you never know who's coming by. So also, every time someone comes up, you get around anybody, even like before and after the conference. You know, I've been after a conference and saw somebody who's another vendor and said, um, hey, I'm going to catch one of the sites. You want to share an Uber with me? And then you build those relationships with those vendors because you then see them, you know, and, um, and those things, this community that we have really builds together. And then, you know who you're talking to when you come into rooms while at the same time, not knowing who you're talking to when you come into rooms and that becomes the fun juxtaposition, but always keeps you aware. It's funny. You mentioned Rebecca. And for those of you that are listening, she's a CISO from a pretty big company here in St. Louis. She did come in late and she was sitting on the panel and um, I saw her, I couldn't find the other panelists. So I felt bad because I wanted to introduce her to the panel. And she goes, well, I'll just walk around the vendor room and nobody was looking up. Nobody was acknowledging her. And I'm like thinking, you guys are crazy. This is like, you know, the perfect opportunity. Everybody was in sessions. There was really nobody, you know, because it was the end of the day and people are trying to think, how can I pack up? How can I get out of here? And then um, for you guys that are listening, one of the questions, like I said, at the end, I always ask the CISOs, what does it take? Because we always do our panel sessions in the sponsor room at the end of the day. We open the bar. It's um, just a really, we try to wrap it up on a good time. The panel always talks about the best practices and challenges that they're dealing with. And I always end asking, what does it take for the sponsors to get in front of you? It's always the same answer. Pretty much, you know, relationship, stop, don't email blast me, you know, you know, same answer. But and they all three, all three men went quick. And Rachel said, 
you know, get to know me. I did not come here to get to know who Typing DNA was, but because Tim talked to me, I will probably take an appointment with Typing DNA, and I had no uh, no interest in doing that. So, and she said that in front of everyone, and I thought, good for you, Tim. That's awesome. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and Jonathan, we would love to come to Tulsa, but Tulsa, you know, I have to make sure I can get an um, audience. So I'll have to talk to you about that. You'll have to help me get an audience if we come to Tulsa. So <laughs> Jonathan, I'll, I'll come, I'll come to Tulsa and do a conference of one with you. If you need me to <laughs> we'll come out there. We'll have a... <laughs> Jonathan is a, pr- Jonathan will sometimes um, host this, host this radio show when I'm traveling. So he's, I'm going to have to hit him up soon here again. Cause I have one coming for you. I'm hoping you can um, handle, but he is the CISO at the university of Tulsa and he's done some pretty cool things. He, um, he has, he's taken the students and created his sock team with the students that are going through the cybersecurity program there. So he had a show on here with his sock team. So anybody can catch any of our past shows. Um, It was pretty cool. So again, he's training our future leaders. So that's awesome. So tell me um, what, when you were out at RSA now, you know, you have that's apples and oranges, you know, so how do you stand out when you have 600 vendors? And I, I don't think it was as big as it normally is, but I think there was 20, at least 20,000 people. Not everyone's going to walk through the showroom and a lot of CISOs aren't going to the exhibit room at RSA. So how, what is your strategy for huge conferences, especially since we have black, black hat coming up and we have Mm -hmm. um, DEF CON coming up. How do you, again, how do you stand out at something like that? Well, I went to, um, uh, RSA and then InfoSec two weeks later, right? So if that doesn't that doesn't wear you out, I don't know what will. But I think that there's two things. Um, one, come early and stay late, right? And that's the same thing at any conference. Like break down after the last thing happens. Wait till the very last moment to break down. Like wait and get there before everyone. Be the first in the door and the last out door. I was at RSA all three mornings, first one in the building, and literally. We had to go back and we had to go back and, and ship something out. I was the last person out of RSA. There was no other attendees in that, but that was just because we had to ship something out. But the point is, first in, first out. The second thing is, everybody that walks by, you need that you can possibly you need to engage with. You need to engage with. It's not even a eh, you know. And I'm talking. I don't leave the floor. I go to RSA. I go to FutureCon. I've got a company that's invested in me. I have a, uh, a company that is counting on me to do my work, and, and I love it. Um, we were in 300 in line to get a booth at RSA, and we, and we got a booth. I, I, I literally teared up. And actually, we found out we are getting the booth at FutureCon uh, Omaha after it was over. I got the news. I almost cried. I literally. The point is, when you're then there, everybody that comes by, and the easiest way to communicate to somebody is first look them, look them in the eyes. Don't stare them down, but just give them a shot in the eyes. And then say hello and, and, and start talking with them. A lot of people will do this. You know, they will brush you off. They will act like they're not interested. But here's the interesting part. The people who are the decision makers rarely do that. CISOs, high-level cybersecurity people, if they are there, they're there for a reason. And if they're not there for a reason, they're going to shoo you off. You don't want to talk with them. 
and most it's it's other vendors that kind of take out their frustration by like you know putting up the hand <laughs> but the people who are real and are there for a reason they're listening and if you come with an authentic movement towards them but you have to do that consistently this is like a sport and you can't give up stay caffeinated and keep moving out of the booth and staying in front of people i had conversations with large logos great people to communicate with just across the board um at RSA, at InfoSec, because I was out of my booth. Like the booth, it, I'm, I am out four feet as people are walking by. And I've got a complimentary card. I'm walking with them. Hey, can I introduce you in, in, in a complimentary copy? And I'm walking with them. And then they would kind of laugh because are you walking beside me and handing us like, yes, I am. But I kept my posture is like, I'm, uh, it, it's a posture of I'm authentically wanting to give this to you, not just going through the motions. And you really have to dial into your heart to be that person. And I find that when I, I do that, most people engage. And it was interesting. At RSA, it was much more dismissive. We're at InfoSec in the UK, much more um, interested. And the sophistication levels were, 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 were different. So it was very fun watching the two sides. But ultimately, the main thing that matters is getting out of your booth, looking people in the eye, and authentically asking them if you can engage. And a lot of people are going to tell you no, but guess what? You're in sales. People are going to tell you no. And every time they tell you no, you learn better on how to not just say the right thing and be the right thing, but to intrinsically become more a part of what you're talking about and letting that energy come from the inside out rather than trying to stick energy on top of yourself and shoving it at somebody. So, Kim, I, I practice this thought process all the time, and I'm always thinking of how I'm being authentic, how I'm doing what I need to do. And I find that, you know, the day not only just shoots by because the adrenaline's spiking and it's exciting, but I'm always thinking that next person, I'm going to get to engage with them. And not like maybe to see so and I'll win a big deal, but like I get to have this next engagement that's going to be authentic. And then, and then it's interesting when you're at an event and you see somebody that you know. So like, Kim, you're a great example. I'm going through my day. I'm like, I'm doing blah, blah, blah. And then you just kind of walk by and it's like, Somebody I definitely know that is definitely going to respond, you know, like, hey, Kim, great event. You're like, oh, man, great event. Keep doing it, Tim. So you then it, it's, it's nice when you're doing something when you know the team, and you have a team like yours, and then you're, you're able to then also build off of those pockets of positivity that keep you going. But at the end of the day, I think the thing that differentiates or what I focus on and I have my team focus on and straight through our CEO is you move out of the booth, you engage appropriately. And you, you do it the, the whole entire time, every second that you're there. And, um, and I think that, that that brings a love to the moment rather than a, a, a want or a desire. You know, and I am, as the person that's been putting on events forever, events, they look different than they looked pre-COVID. You know, they're not as large because we are, you know, streaming virtual. And it's really, you know, about the quality of people. It's better to have 100 quality attendees than 200, yeah. you know. So I, I am, I do, with proudness, I do know that we bring good quality attendees to our events. And what's great, going back to some of these virtual viewers, they really, really are missing out. I can't tell you how many people from St. Louis messaged me the next day and said, geez, I wish I would have came. My team said it was the best event ever, you know. And again, are we in a place that I don't even think it's about COVID anymore. I think it's easier, you know, because we, we have, we're, we try to really commit our people that, 
you know, say they're coming, but we'll always have a handful of people that morning that are like, oh, I have something that came up. Can I go virtual? And, and that is the bad thing about having a hybrid event because we give them a way out because they can watch virtual. But if we didn't have virtual, we wouldn't even have them at all. So what is your thought about um, these hybrid events still? Well, I think like um, we booked a meeting with somebody in Miami at the event. So I'm, I'm for them all around. I think that what we're going to find is that as we stay committed to these and as these grow, it's going to bring a, um, a dynamicness to the, um, to the conference market. So as you're able to go, excellent. But it gives a chance for some vendors to engage if they're not there. But I think we're also when we're talking about um, people that still have a – that they don't want to go into public yet just relative to – you know how the you know their own preferences are gives them a chance to do that. It gives also if somebody wants to engage with the St. Louis Cyber event and they're in Miami, but they want to get a continuing education credit. It gives them opportunity to do without it, something that is um, that is local. And since these happen regularly, it gives them a chance to be able to do what they need to do professionally. Um, and and then it makes it so that when there is a future con Miami, they have now become part of the ecosystem, so to speak, and they trust the brand and now it becomes an event that they'll go to. There's a lot of events that you can go to that are events that are, you know, by sponsors, for sponsors, with sponsors, and some cybersecurity people. So uh, FutureCon is not that, it's a flip. It is it is by cybersecurity, for cybersecurity, and you got a room full of vendors that are all there to do their thing, but it's, um, I'm much more interested in being in a place that is, that is, that is, that benefits the community of cybersecurity. I, I'm able to you know, provide a service to that, which is awesome, but it, you need to be community first. And so I think that the virtual events provide that. There are a little bit of work to put on. And from a, a from a, we, we get a meeting or two out of each one, which is great. Um, but it means you gotta be a little bit more attentive. Um, but I think that it's great for the user because it gives them a chance to be able to do this. Um, and, you know, you gotta remember before COVID, the only way to really get these continuing education credits was you had to go to a live event. There was really not a lot of virtual options. So I think it opens up people to, it's kind of like a rising tide raises all ships. So I think keeping that going and keeping that there is beneficial to all. It'll also grow on a, on, on a sponsorship standpoint of opportunities, especially as the technology grows uh, uh, um, and our, our, our bandwidth grows. But I think it's fantastic. You had to put 140 on at one point and you're shooting it live with, with the cam there. All that's, I think, super important. It's, it's just really great for the community. You know, and COVID, because we had to go virtual for two years, um, it actually was a good thing for us. Like Jonathan, I, I met him through COVID on a virtual event. You know, now he's a great FutureCon friend. You know, most of the CISOs that are speaking at our events, I met them. You know, they've seen our, that we are authentic and, you know, I, I'm getting great speakers because they do catch us virtual. And then when we come to their hometown, they're excited for us to come there and come out and see us. But um, so it is, it, I think it is something that's not going to go away because it does continue to build our attendee base and it gives people, because you, look, everybody in cyber is busy. You know, anything, you know, a threat could happen that morning. They can still have our, our you know, our virtual event on, still listen, multitask. I'm, I, I, again, I still want people to come in person, but I understand, you know, that situations happen. But going back to a couple of things that Jonathan said, he said, 
Um, I can say, I can say that the vendor floor is scary sometimes, but when vendors have non-traditional tables at a pool and a room upstairs, he'll generally make it to a point to visit because they are doing something different. And I feel like it's less intimidating too when you just go. That's all those private parties. I mean. I go out to RSA to go to the private parties because that's where I make my, not not I because that's where I make my best connections. That's where I yeah. make where I meet future speakers, future attendees. It's it's hard. I, I we don't want to bother sponsors, um, you know, because we're 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 trying to sell the sponsors. <laughs> but um, Jonathan also said virtual is great content, in person is great for relationships and finding the solution for a problem you didn't know you had. One of the problems I think with virtual, going back to virtual, is there is a large portion of the IT community that are very introverted and they had to go to those live conferences to get those CPE credits and now this is an easy way out. And I, I feel bad for them because you have to push yourself to be in front of other people because you don't know if you're going to sit next to the person that might be your next boss. You know, when you're sitting yeah. home virtually, even though you may be very, you know, um, introverted and you don't like public things, you know, public places like that, I really, you know, strongly urge, you know, those young, younger IT people to go out there because that is just how you grow when you grow your network. Yeah, and I think that as you're, as you're, when you're at cybersecurity events, they can be overwhelming. They can be very overwhelming. There's a lot going on. And in the vendor floors, there's a lot of things that are, it can be a lot. And, and I think that also, you know, the, where the the space and sales and how you know you gotta think of a vendors there to get brand awareness garnish leads and everything else i think a lot of this stuff is changing just from the fact of how you do it more authentically and cybersecurity just as an outbound uh, from a sales nuts and bolts everybody in cybersecurity is getting a, a remarkable amount of outbound communication so one thing i'm looking at is going hey how do we do that better how do we do that I want to communicate a solution to somebody who has a problem I can solve and, and, and figuring that out. It's, it is a very, very tough thing to figure out, but being conscious that you're communicating to a group that is being over communicated to and being able to steward that. Well, I think a lot of um, things that are happening at conferences are how do we think of that better? How do we work at that better? Um, and, uh, and I think as we're looking at online events and everything else, um, it becomes an, an, the more options there are, the more ways we can see to um, to not solve a problem, but um, but optimize the way that we're we're communicating. And I think it's a it's it's a Rubik's cube that gets more complicated as the quarters go on. But the great part is is that if you're authentically reaching out, you're authentically finding a way to be able to do that, then it gives you the upper hand. Where you know even as a, a you know an SVP of sales, I get cold calls all the time of people that have they have no idea just how rude they're being or emails of how rude they're being. And it really take it into mind what we do that. And that also when we come to an event, whether it's live or in person, how can we be a good corporate partner to that, a good part of the betterment of the event first? Then how do we create relationships? And then lastly, how are we able to then um, you know, you know, create uh, create the the, the, the the communication from there. And I think sometimes it's a little bit backwards, but um, there's a there's a good community of people who are also focused on being able to get things done right and optimize the way that it's going. And I think 
the, the live and the virtual events being there give us a chance to be able to look at, the, look at it from different angles and see the best way that we can engage in it. So what are you doing outside of events? How are you, um, I, you know, for example, Brent from Peabody Energy. What an amazing speaker, speaker he was. For anyone out there, you can catch his, um, you can catch his keynote. You can go to our YouTube page, I believe, and catch it. He, he, he was great. He wanted to do his presentation in 18 minutes. And I was like, no, you cannot do it in 18 minutes, please. This is an hour session. So he did. He get, but, but we got amazing, you know, remarks of, you know, what it he just did a fabulous job and he was just talking about the future of cybersecurity. But how are you trying to get in front of people like that? Do you feel like it is, um, you, you have to climb the steps before you're going to get to him? Well, I, 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 um, in cybersecurity, uh, where I kind of had my first really big win was I launched the sales team for a, um, cybersecurity training company. So it was under a CRO, um, uh, one of the best guys in sales I've ever worked with. His name's Gordon Lawson. He's amazing. And um, we sent that, set out on a journey to bring um, uh, cybersecurity training to the marketplace. And really, at the time, it was just SANS. And, um, and the outbound you could do, you could get out there, you could break through, and you could, you could get, you know, get conversations going. And now, that was 2019. Fast forward to now. Now, the things we were doing then are, you, are done, and they're massive amount more. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, CrowdStrike had a had a 15 foot figure of of I'm not sure what it was there for, but it was really cool and it was huge. So to be able to get to people and communicate to them, I think the thing that I'm always focused on is how do I stay consistent the longest, which is really going through the process of how do you outwork somebody, right? And out by outworking somebody, it means that it's going to be hard. It's going to be a long um, process. It's going to be a lot of tasks inside of your CRM of follow-ups. And that means you've got to do those every single day to make sure you differentiate yourself by the work that you're putting in. Now you can say eloquent things. You can be focused on a number of different ways. And there's really big rev ops processes you can put together. But I think at the fundamentals, and this goes on the, on the conference floor to the email, to the phone call, to everything, LinkedIn message, everything in between. Am I committed to the long haul? And that means not just do a sprint and follow up with everybody and then let all of your tasks and your CRM pile up and then not get back to it or whatever. It's every single day consistently. We're, we're, the sales team does the same thing that the cybersecurity team is doing. We have a list of tasks and we've got to go through them. If you stay with your tasks inside of cybersecurity on the fundamental level, you have the best opportunity to have a, to have a, um, you know, to have a sound environment to, relative to you know, the, the day and age of what's going on. But sales is the same thing. How do you stay consistent? And in that consistency, how do you stay um, present of mind of what you're communicating about to find a solution, not just call up and say, can I talk to you for 27 seconds? Or can I blah, blah, blah? Or this thing I said, this is backed by science. And so it means it's going to. Now, how can you really be involved? And I think that's what's played out best for me in my sales career is I'm engaged that way. It means as I work with people in sales and there's plenty of people I've worked with in sales that would, would, would laugh because like I go into a CRM and I am very, very, very micro focused on everything being in the right place. So that when I get somebody we're communicating to, I know we're not wasting any of their time. We're communicating as succinctly as possible and as educated as possible 
I think that shows on the conference floor. It shows on the outreach, but it's also respecting. I mean, honor and respect. And I use the word love on LinkedIn regularly, the people I'm talking to, because if they say, hey, Tim, this sounds like a great idea. They're putting their political capital, they're putting their personal capital, and they're putting, they're putting other things that I don't even know about on the line to go into a conversation. And stewarding that is not just an SOW to be signed or a deal to be done, but it's a relationship to be had. And I found that that's the way that, you know, I'm leading my team to long-term differentiate. And I find that that gives me conversations with people, um, you know, like the Rebecca scenario that can seem, you know, really cool. I mean, she told me that, I mean, that, that really meant a massive amount because I put my heart and soul into those conversations and being able to do that. And my team does the same thing. And I think that's a differentiator. You know, maybe I'm having a Jerry Maguire moment here, but that's a differentiator between trying to just get somebody in and get the thing going. And I booked a demo and blah, 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 to moving somebody through a very long process that starts here. And there's 20, 40, 50 follow-ups to even get them into a demo, and then that many more to get them through the other side. And then the real journey begins of providing the service that you committed to and being able to be a corporate partner long-term. So I think that long view really gives a differentiator, and it makes everything else come out with a higher level of clarity. But it also means when I get somebody in the moment, I say, look, I'm going to come out and take you out to dinner or lunch, and we sit down and we talk about cybersecurity for two minutes, and then everything else is about kids and other stuff. It, it lets it show that my interest and my team's interest and my overall focus is around being able to know people and, and cybersecurity solutions for what we're going to provide. And I think that's a differentiator of, 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 of what it is. But then so you can see, Kim, I get on the floor at FutureCon and why I'm so excited and why I'm excited to talk with people because that, that fundamentally we're, we're, we're ratcheting it forward. But an event like yours, I'm not just trying to blow you up here. Maybe I am a little bit, but... Um, in an event like yours, you provide that ability to be able to do it and your team works tirelessly to do it. So I don't worry about anything in that moment outside of I just got to do my job and you all taking care of everything else. Um, Jonathan said, just FYI, I love this show because when Kim interviews, I get to know the person and the company by there and much more excited to talk with them. And that's, you know, it's, it's, I have to say my old company, um, you know, it was just a numbers game. I was just producing events, running people through. And when I started FutureCon, I was like, I want it to be different. I know more people now than I did. In four years of having FutureCon, I have better relationships than the 20 years of my old company because it's just different now. It's a, it's a different and it's fun and I love it. And I love to get to know, you know, I have good relationships with CISOs and I have good relationships with the sales reps. And I think it's in everybody's job. Even Jonathan is running a cybersecurity team, you know, so he has to do the same thing. It's the same thing that you're doing. You know, it's relation building with your employees. If you don't have that relation building, there's a million other jobs out there. Just, you know, so all of it kind of, you know, the cybersecurity community, we're all doing the same thing, but in our, like you said before, our own little ecosystem of what, you know, what sphere we're in. Yeah, and I think that, and, and I'm hiring right now, so I have positions that are open in an unhiring, you know, time of the time of the economy. And I think that, um, you know, it's just like working for a, a really good cybersecurity team. And I've had the, the gift, and I'm sure you have, of being able to walk into a number of socks and see like a, a brand name sock in motion. And you realize as you're talking to the person who's leading it, like this guy or gal is running 
yeah, I mean, this is a person to work for, a great person, but they're going to expect a lot out of you. I do a lot of the same and, and, and see that around people I work with. I'm expecting a lot out of people to be able to be at a, at a, at a, at a level. And when you get to, you know, see that in cybersecurity, there is, it's, it's, you know, I've got to make deals happen in sales and there's a lot of weight on that. But in cybersecurity, there's so much more. There's so much more you have to think of, you have to do. And, you know, and that we get to be a part of that is, is, is super cool. But at the end of the day, you know, letting it, you know, I kind of always tell my team, we're all, I do tell my team, we're all SDRs. We're all creating business. We're all working that. And that really puts that servant, um, that servant, you know, uh, posture in what you're doing. And it means that sometimes if, if you're in it just to be, um, to be loud and known and you're not going to like it that much. But I think cybersecurity shares that as the same with that type of sales. So the two together become very fun. And, um, but then you get to know all these people, you get to like them see them multiple times. And, um, and then through these conferences, you just, you build you know, little relationships and sometimes you're just hanging out and you're waiting for a flight and there's somebody who was at the conference. And I really, I really value that stuff. And um, it's, it's hard work to what we do and, being able to do that inside of a community is um, it's very exciting. And, and you've really put a good one together from all the events we get to go to. Well, you know, and one of the things is hopefully people will just be nice. There was a, I saw something, it was probably about six months ago and it was from a CISO. I don't honestly even remember the company anymore, but I think it was like from a merchant services or a credit card or something where they have their own sales team that is dialing every day, bugging people for, you know, business. But this person put a very, very not nice um, post on LinkedIn saying, salespeople leave me alone with all in caps, stop calling me. And I'm like, now you have your own sales team there. And if they weren't doing what these people were doing, you wouldn't be in business and you wouldn't be in the position you're in. So, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, and, and trust me, I get so many, I get very, very angry with the spam calls I get every day. Like oh, today yeah. I was waiting for my bank to call me to, cause I was, you know, making a transaction and, you know, I'm good for the bank. They were calling to verify things, but I kept waiting for him to call. And every time I would answer the phone, it was a spam call. And it's just, it's, so I get it. I understand. It's hard to not always be nice because I'm not nice when someone calls me when, you know, I'm in a meeting and I think it's somebody else and that's frustrating. Well, I'll give, I'll give this for all the sales teams. All right. Here's what you do. And I tell this when somebody calls me and messes up, every caller that messes us up, you call up the phone. And so if I, Jonathan, I call you to say, hi, Jonathan, this is Tim Savage with Titan DNA. We continuously authenticate the endpoint. Is that something you are reviewing right now? And Jonathan, you're going to go probably no. Thank you, sir. I'm going to get off the line right now. I'll follow up with you with an email. Bang, done. And if, if Jonathan, you went, actually, I am reviewing that right now. May I send you an email and schedule a time I can show you some more? The person on the other end is going to go, sure, that sounds great. And if they have more questions, they're going to go. That's three options. A simple call, done, right? And now what you've done is you've been able to, if you get off the call, you can now email the person. I have booked meetings personally by doing that, um, by being able to be super willing to get off that call and continue on email. Um, and you're right. If somebody catches you up and gets you too much, you're in the middle of something, it, they are programmed by their sales leadership to just push through the call. I tell my team, look, you got one question, you got 30 seconds, use it wisely and get off the call. 
So pretty sales teams, there you go. That's, I feel, the easiest way to be able to be comfortable and honorable in every moment. Well, Jonathan made a good point. You know, he said, I don't mind sales calls. I can't always be on them. It's part of the gig. You should always treat people as human beings. But it is hard. Like that call I got today, I was on a Zoom call, but I really needed to talk to my bank. So I hopped over. And, and when they're like, I'm like, look, do you have an appointment with me? I'm in a meeting. And if you start to be nice, they're not going to let you hang up. So it, it's a tough, you know, it's a tough. You know, it's just a tough uh, thing to be nice sometimes because that's what they it are trying to, to do, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're and close. I've been they're there. Close. I used to, you know, my first sales job in my whole life was selling encyclopedias back in the oh. day. And I was not, and then I was selling telecom to businesses, not walking cold calls, you know, so I get it. I've been there. That's Kim, I want to interview yeah. you about your start in sales someday. I want to do that <laughs> interview and hear about you selling that. That would be beautiful for somebody to tell you when they're sitting at their house at their at their computer by the pool and you were like i was out walking in the rain doing, <laughs> doing the deal to let let, let, to let them oh know and jonathan i would be i would be happy to talk i'll make sure that um i follow up so there there you go there you go already already benefits growing so that's wonderful thank you man i appreciate it yeah and um so you know it's it this is a fun i have i have a lot of um Yes, and we're talking tech, and this is the first time we've ever really talked about conferences, and, you know, I'm glad that it looks like a lot of our listeners stayed on, but it is definitely something different to talk about, but I think it's important because we are a community, and we have to rely on each other, you know, the the CISOs need the vendors when there's going to be something, you know, we need the vendors, we need to see, you know, we're all one big community. I guess it's just, you know, there's just a lot of us and um, I'm in a great, awesome position because I'm just trying to bring everyone together and that's a fun place to do a, a fun job for me to have. I'm not trying to sell encyclopedias. So <laughs> this, it's great for me, like just putting you and Jonathan in touch, you know, that that's very rewarding for me. So what, um, you know, before we wrap up the show, and we still have about five minutes, you know, what are some, you know, what are your thoughts about one of the things that Brent said from Peabody Energy? He was talking about his team. And now I had a room full of, you know, we have the vendor side, but then we have the room, the meeting room that is the end users and it's not the vendors. And uh, Brent from Peabody was trying to tell them how to keep your team engaged, how to keep them motivated. And one of the things he said is, Hey, take them out to a steak dinner that one of your vendors offers you, you know? Uh -huh. So, so what do you, what do you think about that? Where is the line I, of how much you should pour out there to those kind of teams? I always say this, if I'm communicating with somebody and I have something going on and we're talking, I am asking, and there's a lot of people out there that will, that will attest to this, is we're working on something, I'm pushing to go out there and, and have a one-on-one -on -one dinner. That's how I'll fly into town, have a one-on-one -on -one dinner. And if you're, if you're telling me, saying as, as, a, as a decision maker, if being able to, you know, to own the fact that I'm a decision maker here, I got five or six people who have to sign off on this, you want to be in front of them. They're a tough crew, you want to be in front of them. They all like steak. All right. So it's like, OK, so I'll go if I'm going to make that investment. I really want to make that investment, knowing that this is going to not close the deal, but that it's, it's, it's the right investment to make. So I'll take the direction of the, 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 the business leaders that I'm working with, the CISOs and, and in their team. And, you know, I've definitely gone out and I have made a, um, an, a sincere investment in a dinner 
that, you know, turned into business. So it's all, I think it's really being able to go, um, you know, Hey, listen, this is going to turn into an opportunity, not promising it, but being able to give that feedback. And I, I'm the first to go do that. And I found that uh, definitely one-on-one dinners, but also for the team or going and doing an event or whatnot. Somebody tells me, look, you really want to do this. And if I'm somebody buying for me, I'll say the same thing. Hey, look, you want to get my team together, have them out. I'm going to put you in a great spot to be able to close this. Um, and I'll take that same um, direction and I'll go in and, I'm, and I am more than happy to make that investment because it's a good investment and it doesn't have to just pay off the next week. But going, if this is part of the process and you're giving me that opportunity to do that, I'm going to steward that opportunity, um, not just to do something neat and go, okay, but go, hey, I'm going to go there with a focus to meet all these people and set it up so I can uh, be in relationship with them, not just, you know, running a steak dinner through them. So I find that that is a very good way to do it. And I think it's a great way to, um, to let your vendor, so as me being a vendor, letting somebody like myself know this is a great way to get the team together. And, and, and there's, there's a couple uh, people that I'm, um, I'm working with right now on opportunities. And I'm like, look, I'm flying into your city just to take you out to dinner, right? And they're like, oh, man, you don't have to do that. I'm like, the, 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 the investment is worth it. And not just from the business payoff. But we're also providing you a service. I want to know you. So as we put this service in play, we have that underlying relationship to really to, to bring a service into motion. And I found that that has been um, that has been the tie that's buying in a couple of them. So especially when you have events and we meet people, and I say I'll, I'll come back a month later and take them out to dinner, and then the conversation is able to go you know go forward. And I also understand that that's an investment on the person's part too. Steak dinner is nice, but not everybody has an evening free away from their family. So I'm also stewarding that time, you know, um, very, very, um, very well. And, and, and like John was saying, there are there are rules around that, too. So I'm also aware of saying what's the best thing that we can do um, and make sure, um, you know, we're able to do that. So um, anyway, really that it's good to yeah. do that. Because we're almost running out of time. But Jonathan makes a good point that some CISOs can't take the dinner due to gift rules. Um, a lot of a, a lot of government employees. That's why they don't, won't go into the vendor room and play the bingo card because they can't participate. So you know, I we don't have enough time to finish that chat on this show. But you know, that's something to talk about later with Jonathan. Is you know because he does come from the public. I, you know, being working for a university, I guess you know he probably. And has sometimes to just saying, I'm willing to fly into town and have a coffee with you. Like the, the, the steak doesn't matter. And going, but I'm willing to make that investment to come see you. And I find that 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 is a tie that binds. Also, going, we'll just have coffee. But I'm going to come in and see you. I want you to know me. And somebody will go just for coffee. You're going to fly the whole way here. You know, two connecting flights. Yeah. All right. Yep. Coffee. Yep. <laughs> they'll, they'll go well, coffee well, on me, right? Yep, Tim Savage from Typing DNA will, but um, we're we're pretty much at time. So thank you so much, Tim, for being here today again. Tim Savage from Typing DNA. You can find him on LinkedIn. He loves to talk. He would love to talk to any of you guys. He's uh, been one of my uh, favorite new sales reps that I've met at our um, at our shows. And thank you, Tim, for all the support and shout outs uh, um, that you've given us at FutureCon. So thank you every, everyone. Thank you to all of our viewers for being here again and our um, listeners on Voice America. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, stay secure, and I will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. 
Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. Are you a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.